You're listening to Savage Wonder, a podcast about warriors and artists. It's long-form one-on-one conversations with veterans in the arts. This show is produced by the Veterans Repertory Theater, which is a creative hub for talented veterans and world-class performers to create compelling live theater and events. My guest today was Derek Stoner. Uh, You may have heard me talk about Derek before. I can't remember if I've mentioned him before on the show. You've certainly heard me talk about him on social, um, on our website, uh, all the rest of it. Derek is a former Green Beret. He retired after a full 20-year career and has become just an outstanding singer-songwriter. Now, I'm, I'm he talks about it in the episode. He's not sure what genre he really falls into. He certainly loves country music, and it's probably fair to say his music would be classified as country. Uh, but he also loves Southern rock and it could possibly qualify as Southern rock. So I don't know. He's somewhere in that country music, Southern rock nexus. Um, the big thing that you need to know about Derek is his voice. It's just an incredible instrument. I won't give too many spoilers cause I talked to him about it on the show and, uh, you know, uh, I only mention it here because you're not going to hear him sing and you need to take my word for it, that his voice is just unbelievable. Um, and as his musicianship, boy, I did not say that well, musicianship improves, <laughs> uh, you know, um, you know, he said that's something he wants to work on getting better at the guitar and all that. Got it. You know, but that freaking voice uh, does a lot of the lifting for his music and um, go ahead and scroll through the show notes, check out his music, go to those links. Um, you, you want to hear uh, how he sounds. It's really an incredible talent. I want to make, make a point. Also, Derek was the first act of the Savage Wonder Festival to be sponsored. So uh, when BLR, which is just a phenomenal, phenomenally successful clothing company here in Middletown, believe, love, respect, is their company and founded by a veteran. Um, and it's just been a very successful clothing brand, but they're launching a cider called uh, believe love relax. And if you know anything about upstate New York, we do ciders really, really well in upstate New York. Well, BLR is crushing it with this cider. And I say that because I've tasted the cider. It isn't out yet. And they are going to debut it at the Savage Wonder Festival. So um, they came in and they actually uh, wanted to sponsor one of our performances. And they picked Derek Stoner to sponsor, which is freaking awesome. And uh, I want to make mention of it here because it's a real compliment to Derek uh, that he is just such an intriguing figure. And obviously on paper, look, you tell anybody, here's a uh, former Green Beret who's now a country singer or whatever, Southern rock country hybrid singer. Um, you know, that's the questions are going to write themselves. Like people are going to be very interested in that and and that's going to light some people up. But um, but to have somebody literally put their money where their mouth is and go, fuck yeah, this dude is legit and we're getting behind him is just such a compliment to Derek and so well-deserved. And um, anyway, 
I say all that because since you guys aren't going to hear him sing on the show, uh, just take my word for it. He's phenomenal. And uh, I was really thrilled that we could sit down and talk and I could kind of learn a bit more about the man behind the music. And it's funny because he and I have talked now a bunch over the last couple of months, but about logistics or about, you know, this, that, and the other. So to actually flesh out his story and understand more about him and where he was coming from was very cool for me. He had a show tonight uh, that he had not planned on having. So we didn't have the time available that we initially thought we would. And he, he also meant he was on the road. So he wasn't at home in a nice controlled environment. Instead, he's in the backyard somewhere in Memphis of uh, not even a friend, an acquaintance, a fellow musician who he had just met who had let him use her backyard to record our our interview. So hopefully Mike Neal, our producer, is going to get rid of his, a lot of the background noise. Um, and there's some connectivity issues. So I'm just telling you that a little bit of a caveat. This isn't the best quality audio we've ever had. Um, but there are good reasons for it, and uh, I don't think it's going to detract from your appreciation of Derek or what he had to say. Um, but it did mean we couldn't go as long as we normally would have liked to, and uh, I think you get a better-than-wave-tops understanding of Derek, but I will love to have him back on at some point uh, down the road because there's a lot more that we'd like to mine there and, and get into. But when time is fitting. And we're able to do that. Okay. Do I have anything else to talk about here? No. We're good. You're good. I think I've given you every bit of context that you need to fully appreciate this interview. Um, obviously, Derek will be playing the Savage Wonder Festival on May 29th at beautiful at the beautiful Sugarloaf Performing Arts Center in upstate Chester, New York. And we talk about that in the interview. And I think that's all the housekeeping I need to do with you guys. All right. So let's get ready to hear from Derek. I'm Christopher Paul Meyer. I am the artistic director at Vet Rep. And this is the savage wonder of Derek Stoner. Derek, welcome to the show, man. Chris, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. It, it's been a long time coming. I know we've talked for about, what, three months about coming on the show. I was like, yeah. I got to get him on before the festival, man. We got to get this thing synced up. I can't let this go without, uh, I can't get you on stage there and not have the full backstory. Right, right. Uh, so listen, uh, I know you're in Memphis. I know you got a show tonight. Um, dude, you are gigging. Like what? Like, I mean, you got at least one show every weekend, but it looks like sometimes you got two or three on a weekend, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really starting to pick up. You know, I've only been doing this about a year now. Last summer we started, and obviously it was more at the start, but now we've gotten it. We're just getting our word out there a little bit and uh, just filling up, filling up, staying busy. I love it. Yeah, what is it? Is it is it the COVID's over, and so now everything can kind of go into action, or is it that you're just better at getting the word out, or what? what is it that's making the difference? I think it's a combination of both, honestly. Yeah. You know, Obviously, with the, with the COVID, it made things hard. Um, now those restrictions are mostly off, at least in this area. And yeah. Then, yeah. Yeah. And how's it been? How's the, uh, how's the reaction been? Um, what kind of feedback are you getting from audiences? Great. You know, that's really what, uh, keeps me pushing forward with this. It's, it's, it is the, the feedback that you get on a, on a nightly basis. You know what I mean? It's all about the show to me is all about going out there and 
obviously entertaining folks, but they need to be having a good time. If they're having a good time. You're doing something right. And uh, it feels good to do that. So l- l- let me ask you, <laughs> I'm going to ask this in the rudest way I can think. Uh, and it's just because this is my reaction. Um, Cause I'm not sure, but you and I may have gotten out at about the same time. Um, are there ever moments that you stop and feel like a whore that now you got to go and like solicit people's interest when it's like, dude, I used to just be able to go do something and people knew why I was there. There was a job. There was things were kind of lined up and now it's like, you got to build everything from scratch. And it's like, ah, oh, man, I got to go suck up to you now and tell you about like, no, seriously, I'm worth, I'm worth like investing in. I'm worth paying attention to. Do you get that? Do you ever get that feeling? Yeah. It's like starting, starting from scratch. You know, and it's 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 a complete unknown. You spend, you know, your whole career doing doing military things where you, you feel like you get a good handle on it. About the time you start to master it, it's time for you to leave because you're, <laughs> you know, your stuff's used up. And then it's yeah. just let's start that process all over on something else. Do you think? I mean, this is kind of something I've been running into, so I'm just going to bounce this off you. Do you think there's any there's a real problem with military guys being able to hustle for their own individual thing, like? you get conditioned in the military to not champion yourself, you know? So to suddenly go out and be your own thing. It's like, no, 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 I'm really good. And it's like, it feels weird. It feels dirty to say that sometimes. Right. Absolutely. That is, that is a huge obstacle to overcome. You know, you spend your whole time trying to be the gray man. You're not trying to bring attention to yourself. And then all of a sudden now you're doing the opposite. And yeah, dirty is a good way to describe that. What, because a lot of your songs, um, and I've listened to your album over and over and over and over again, it's an outstanding piece of work, uh, especially right out of the box. I mean, it's like, God damn, man, like how much, um, how much are you feeling that every night? Do you go out and you're, you like the second the chords start, you're in it, or do you sometimes go, oh man, I I'm, I'm looking at a lot of unfamiliar faces, stone faces out there. And, uh, I hope you guys like this because I'm just putting myself out there and it feels a little risky. Both, right? So I've been doing it long enough now where I've got to go back to several places and it's my second or third time there. And I, I get that feeling that most of the folks that show up then have already seen me and they're there because they want to they wanna listen. Yeah. So you get really good feedback there. But a lot of nights, you know, which tonight will be one of them. I've never played at this place in Memphis. And they know me as about as much as I know them. So, you know, it's, it's, it's nerve-wracking. Like, man, I hope you all like this because I'm putting – I'm opening up my insides on this one. This is, yeah. this is me. I hope you like it. Um, but if you don't, at the end of the day, you know, I think you got to build accept it and move on. Do you think you have thick skin as a performer? I do I, 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 on the outside, but <laughs> I'll, internal, I'll internalize it big time to myself later on at home. You know what I mean? It definitely affects me. Yeah. Yeah. What do you do about it? How, what, what's, the, what's, your, uh, what's your comfort? What's your solace if, if you're feeling a little shaky or feeling a little... Uh, you know, like, like your veins were open and it didn't get the reception you wanted. What do you do about that? How do you handle that? Uh, for me, it's the good Lord. You know, that's where I, that's what, that's my guiding light for everything for me and what I do. So yeah, just talking to him and he's got the answer for any of my problems and uh, just try to get on my own way. Does it help you to not think about yourself so much when you're out there? I mean, cause I know as a performer and I've said this on the show before to different people, I really think an artist has to be somewhat narcissistic because if you don't care about your stuff and prioritize it, it's hard for other people that you don't know to get on board with that. So there has to be a little bit of that, 
but then obviously you can go too bored and you can become a diva or you can just become like you can eat on yourself. How do you balance that? How do you, how do you find some way of, of, you know, being successful, but not just self-destructing? For me, it's all about the message. Uh, it's, it kind of sounds odd to say, but I tell my wife, my children this all the time. It's really, for me, it's not even about the music. To me, music is just a gateway. Um, something that I was drawn to almost immediately uh, when I decided to start playing was veterans. All of a sudden, at these shows, I'm just talking to all these veterans, you know. And obviously, we have that common ground. And I very quickly, even though I've always known it, but being in the Army, you know, we, we talk about the suicides and we know folks and losing people in battle. But I think when you're in, when you're, when you're in that camp, you don't think about it so much because you're just you're, you're survival mode, basically. But now that I've gotten out and I just hear all these stories, that is the, the root of the message that I want to send. I want to build a help, not just veterans, but uh, I focus a lot on veterans because we have that common ground and we lose so many of them every day, you know, over 20. Sure. You, I know, you know, and your organization. And so to me, as far as, uh, yes, I, you have to care about what you're doing and, and, and kind of, I guess, a narcissistic way. But to me, the music is so much, it's so it's the foundation of it's the it's the building block why why I'm talking to you right now is because I decided to go out and play music. But yeah. what I actually care the most about is helping other people. If that makes sense, it makes a ton of sense. I mean, it, and it I think it it kind of gets. I, I think a lot of artists can get hemmed up on themselves, you know, and that in itself can become an obstacle. It could become, and I think initially sometimes it could be a gateway to success, and then I think it can become a stumbling block, and it seems like when you've taken the step of just removing that and thinking about others and that kind of helps just get rid of the personalia, you know, and allow you just to deal, yeah. deliver a message and just kind of keep your head clear a little bit. I mean, am I reading too much into that? Or does that kind of make sense? No, it, it absolutely makes sense. And, you know, I, I think just to put it in simple terms, you have to stay humble. You know what I mean? If you start getting yeah. a big head on anything, uh, well, that's, you're setting yourself up for some failure there. And, I, and it's easy for me to do that because like I talked about the good Lord does everything for me. So I realize any gift I believe that I have or anybody else has is from him. And you got to figure out a way to use it for the good and, and not just get focused on, well, look, look what I'm doing. So let, let's talk, let, let's give you a little bit of a big hit though, uh, right now. And I understand that's problematic phrasing, but let me, let me double down into that. So you put out a video I don't know what it was a month ago, two months ago. I don't know what it is. The one we linked to on the website, on the Savage Wonder Festival website. And when I saw you put it out, I was like, Derek, brother, God damn, you're recording a song in the garage and you're putting it out on YouTube like you're underselling yourself. And I will tell you, I have never in my life heard somebody sing like that in a goddamn garage. Your voice is incredible. Do you get that feedback a lot? Has a lot of people told you that? Yes. Yeah, they have because people are so kind and, and they, they talk about the voice. Thank goodness they don't talk about the guitar playing. It's not incredible. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I've so much, so many people have shown me encouragement over the last year. It's, it's been, it's been overwhelming. It honestly has. Where the hell did that voice come from? Have you had that your whole life? Have you been singing your whole life like that? Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I, not really. I mean, I, I knew, I knew I could sing. You know, I did. I do a campfire here and there just for the family overseas. You know, that's when I first started playing the guitar. Me and the fellas just lost some team. Steam, I'd go out there and play the two or three songs that I knew for 15 years. Um, I just never, uh, never took time. I was just so focused on my career. I never, I, I, I literally, I can't believe I'm sitting here talking to you right now about this. I still, at this point, 
I, I wouldn't have believed you a year and a half ago if you said, you know what, you're going to be playing music and doing this thing. I, I just, I didn't see it. So let's, let's start reverse engineering uh, the, your, your path. When did you get out? I retired January 1st of this year. You know, I had terminal leave and everything for several months okay. before that. And it was, it was retiring. You didn't separate early. No, it was retirement. Yeah. 20, 20 plus year retirement. Wow. Um, when did you start playing music then? Was that a lifelong thing? Was that before the military or did you pick that up while you were in? No, while I was in, I, I, I think it was either my second or third deployment realized that, you know, when you're not working, you're just, well, you're in the desert. There's not much to do. So I, before I got back or before I left for that the third one or whatever, I decided to buy a guitar. I'm like, I'm going to try to figure out how to play this thing. I just never got serious about it. I learned four or five chords. I like country music, so that makes it easy. You really only need four or five chords for most of it. And, uh, you know, it sat on the shelf and collected dust a lot. I'm, I won't lie, but there'd be times I'd get out for a couple months and be like, hey, I'm going to learn a new song. And then three months later, I wouldn't have played it and I'd done forgot it. It just kind of stayed at that level for probably 15 years or so. Okay. So how, what does that look like? So or were you like, were you watching stuff on YouTube to figure out how to play? Where did you buy books? Where, where, where were you learning anything? Both. I, YouTube is huge, right? I mean, I still learn cover music off of YouTube to this day. Wow. Um, but a, but a little, little bit of both. I started out with some books. I think I started some guitar course one time that shipped you some CDs. And I don't even think I got through the first CD of that. It was like music theory. And to me, that just bores me to death. And, you know, I, yeah. good musicians hear me say that and they want to smack me. But to me, I just... God bless you. Y'all make beautiful music. That's not for me, you know? Um, but yeah, just, just chicken picking on the guitar and trying to find good sounds. And obviously the more you practice something, just like with anything over this last year, it's, it starts getting easier. You start picking up new things. What came first, love of the guitar or love of singing? Singing for sure. Okay. When, when did that start? When did you first start singing? Was it as a kid? Oh, uh, I can remember mainly, Back in high school, you know, I loved George Strait, and my grandmother bought him, bought me his uh, box of fifty number one hits. I still have it today on CD, and I just, man, I'm just on the road in the car. I'm, I was singing with George Strait, you know. And where was this? Where were you from originally? Uh, Northwest Missouri, a little town called Craig, population of about two hundred and fifty. Then it's le- even less now. So. Holy crap! All right. So what was the path? Were you a, were you a nine 11 recruit? Is that how that happened? Yeah. For, for active duty, I was, I was in the guard. Um, so I joined the guard, uh, my junior year of high school where you could do the split op training. I'm sure you're familiar with it. Go to basic training that mm-hmm. year and then go back to school the last year and then do your advanced training. So I was uh, in the guard for that. And when nine 11 happened, they activated my unit. They made us go down to the Kansas city international airport and we were you probably remember those soldier national guardsmen all across America at airports. And I did that for three or four months. And I just decided I'm like, Hey, you know, I want to, I want to do something else within the, within the army. So that's, I signed up for active duty there, got discharged out of the guard straight into active duty. And got what, were, what was your original MOS? And the guard, I was a, a 31 uniform uh, communications guy. They don't even have those anymore. It's, okay old army communication radio system stuff. Got you. Got you. Okay. So when you, and you, so you enlisted before nine 11. Yeah, I did. I, I enlisted December 29th of 1997. 
Okay. And what were you, and why? Uh, was this going to be a career or were you just tipping your toe in the water since you were just going in the guard or what were you thinking? No, it was, uh, so my wife and I, old high school sweethearts, um, she wound up pregnant unplanned at, we were young. So luckily my, I was, uh, going into my senior year. Luckily my school worked with me, kind of let me do a work program because I had enough credits to graduate. I didn't really have to go, but, so they work with me on that. I needed extra money, you know, basically. Yeah. So I was like, you know, what can I do? I can join the guard and that'll be some extra income so I can take care of my new family. And that's kind of how it started. Got you. So you were in school and making a little money through the guard, basically. And then it became a job. Then the army became a job. Then you decided to full-time yeah. enlist. And so that was really your first full-time job was the army, right? Uh, Well, I mean, I was a bricklayer for two or three years while I was still in the guard full-time. Okay. okay. Um, but yeah. All right. And um, I know you said, obviously, you know, watching the airport, I mean, that gets boring. I, I got it. Um, what did you think, though? What was your driving motivation to actually go active? Was it that you just started to understand more possibilities in the Army? Was it that 9-11 had happened and you saw a whole bunch of things open up and like patriotism and what have you? Or was it uh, economic. I mean, what was the driving factor to make it an actual career then? Uh, it definitely wasn't economic, as you know, coming yeah. in as a junior enlisted guy, uh, I took a pay cut, but it was obviously nine 11 was huge with it. And then I was at that point in my life, 21, 22 years old to where I think a lot of young men want to test themselves. You want to see what you're made of, see what you can go do. And that was a driving force for me. So I'm looking at like, what is the hardest things that the military has to offer? You know, the internet was still kind of new to me, didn't really know how to use it, but there's some websites at that point that were terrible to now to today's standard. But right, right. Um, you know, and and I just started looking at stuff and I'm like, I want to, I want to be that guy. I want to, I want to do that stuff. What was the uh what was the pipeline like for you? Were you able to get in? Was the administrative part easy? Were you able to get into selection queue pretty easily, or did was it a process? Yeah. Well, it's a process, but I didn't I didn't have any hiccups. It was just They've since streamlined it a lot uh, over the years because I ended up going back and being an instructor at that place years ago and yada, yada. But, uh, you know, it just took a long time. I, I didn't have any problems getting through it. It was amazing training. I loved it. Some great memories. But it took about two years, mm -hmm. um, you know, from start to finish to, to, to get done, be qualified, just to know barely enough to think, think you know something. And then the real learning starts when you show up, you know, right, right. At, at your unit. And what were you? What was your... Uh SFMOS. I was an 18 Echo, so that's the communication sergeant on there. Yeah. Was that easy for you coming from a comms background? It was pretty easy, but I was I, I hated that. I didn't want to go do it. I wanted to do something else, you know. Um, but it, it worked out well. Um, yeah, it, it worked out well. And where'd you go? What group did you go to? Fifth group. So Fort okay. Campbell, Kentucky. A lot of people call it the Legion. Um, it's it's exactly where I wanted to go because fifth group's area of responsibility is the middle east and at that time you know that was and i mean even still now there's still a lot right yeah um but boy you stay busy and that's what i wanted so at this point um how were you feeling when it comes to being tested did you feel like i mean clearly your fund mater hadn't been pegged yet so did you feel like but did you feel uh you know a sense of accomplishment or do you feel like hell i i 
I got so much more to give that that this just doesn't even begin. Like you know, I'm, I'm this doesn't even phase me. I, nothing's phased me yet. Um, wh- where were you mentally at that point? In your uh, mentally, right when I graduated, you know, you get your beret. I'm not gonna lie, you feel like you you feel like you're ten feet tall, right? But you quickly. Uh, so when I when I graduated, you know, within a week, uh, we had moved from Fort Bragg, North Carolina, where you do all your training down here to Fort Campbell. So I got my uh, family situation situated and maybe 10 days later, I'm on a plane with a couple of couple other new newbies like me that got assigned to the same group. And, you know, when you when that door, that C-130 opens up in the middle of Baghdad in the middle of the night and you see these grisly, salty combat straight up warriors staring at you, all of a sudden you're like, oh, what did I do? I don't feel very big, big time now. And, and I, and I, so th- that court quickly leaves and is replaced with, um, it turns, it, it stops being about like, what, what school can I complete? What achievement can I complete? And it transitions into how do I help these guys kill the enemies of America? And how do I not let them down? What do they need from me? And, and it's about, and you know, and it just all turns into that brotherhood. Yeah. yeah. At that point in your career, what did you what did you learn about yourself just through the Q course? So when you hit the when you hit Baghdad, what do you feel your strengths are? What's what is it that you really do think you bring to a team at that point? Nothing, <laughs> nothing. Yeah. An extra set of eyes that yeah. really don't know what they're doing. I mean, I'm kind of a quiet person by nature, and that served me well when I got there. I just shut my mouth and watched and listened uh, for several months. You know, and then you got to slowly and, you know, just like anything else, you'll start getting a little more responsibility and people will start learning to trust you. And then it just c- continues to elevate. But initially, you don't bring anything to the table. And I think that's the right attitude to start with, knowing that. Did you feel like you had learned anything about yourself just personally? I know, like in the grand scheme of, of group, you know, you felt like the low man on the totem pole again now. But for you personally, did you feel like, wow, um, I didn't realize I had such and such quality or that this was a particular strength of mine. How did, was there any of that for you? Um, yeah. Initially, I think it's just uh, toughness, mental toughness. You know, of course, it takes uh, physical endurance and, and, and a good level of that. But none of the stuff is impossible to do. What you're keeping yourself from doing is all going on right up here. So I think I learned a, a good thing. Like, you know what? You got some mental toughness. You can always get tougher. Um, but even throughout my career, like public speaking and, and things like that, that, that used to uh, terrify me. You just, the, the army teaches you how to do that. And not that they're trying to, but you're, you end up teaching so many people things. You just learn how to do it. Yeah. You know, you learn how to do it on the fly. So, yeah. When did you feel that you had um, rounded the corner? as not just a soldier, but, you know, as a green beret, when did you feel like you were now value added? Uh, probably my second deployment. So it would have been about a year, a year after initially going on the first one, I started feeling like, you know, cause teams change over and, and the teams were very senior in age uh, at the time when I, when I got in and some of those guys started retiring and, 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 you know, so now you have guys that are even newer than you and they're starting to look to you. So that's when I started feeling like I was value added. And, and of course you have missions under your belt and operations experience. Was it that the environment around you and, and the personnel had changed or was it that you really felt like 
there were significant emotional events that you had now overcome, seen your way through, navigated, and now felt like you had some degree of mastery? Yes. Yeah. It's definitely situations and experience that, that I've been through and I'm able, you're able to look back on those, learn from them and be like, okay, this isn't, this is, this is going to be all right. Cause I remember that time this happened and this is what we did. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. It, it all worked out, you know, but yeah, absolutely. And you just kept getting more comfortable and, you know, that's a great thing about in fifth year. I mean, every year you're, you're doing a deployment every year. So, yeah. Yeah. um, it's easy to get complacent at the same time. Once you start getting kind of task saturated, if you will, yeah. you gotta, gotta keep that at bay as well, but right. Right. You can learn a lot in a little bit of a time. Yep. Yep. And it, at that point, um, were you happy? Were you like, yeah, this is going to be a career or were you just, um, looking at your next 50 meter target and just taking it one step at a time? No, I was completely happy. I was addicted. Yeah. I was literally addicted to it. Like a, like a picture, like an adrenaline junkie, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it was just so many things about it, about that environment, the brotherhood, the, the things you do, you just, maybe there's some other thing like that in this world. I have never found it. That feeling that you get, um, working with just those guys that you just utterly trust each other, you know? Yeah. It's hard to replace. What did you stay? Um, I mean, I imagine they were moving you from team to team after a while, right? You didn't, there was not the continuity to stay with the team. Uh, not time, too much. Right? I, I, my first team, I was on that team for, I believe six years straight through. Wow. And then mm-hmm. they moved me to a different company uh, that did specialize in other things where in that company, I'd finished literally the rest of my career there. I mean, I was a leader at the time, by the time I left. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I changed wow. two different teams within that company, but there's only six teams. Yeah. So, I mean, the continuity was there. Boy, that's great. a lot of institutional knowledge. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's incredible. Um, so how were you doing in the non-deployment times? How was your, how was your headspace and timing? Were you feeling good? Were you still vibing yeah. okay when you came back? <laughs> Um, there was good times and bad times, but I, I, I had a lot of struggles. I won't lie. Um, didn't always deal with it the best. You know, we, we, we had, we went through some difficult parts. You know, I have three children now, my wife and I, we've been married 24 years. She, uh, if it hadn't been for her, we would have never, we wouldn't still be together. I mean, it is, it's, it's a big credit to her, and, you know, I, and it wasn't always bad. We had, we had great times. Um, a big turning point for me, I, I was starting to reach my, I'm, I'm just burnt out. I need to do something. It was when I decided to go be an instructor for three years back out of Fort Bragg. And now all of a sudden, because my children were at the age of just very early teenage years out there. And I had the same story with so many service people. You, you miss so much with, with your children. And I got to, I got to hang out with them. I got to basically get to know them again. Uh, and, and that, that was huge for us. So when I came back, uh, I was just different, different. I was able to, Everything wasn't about the team and combat. I was able to separate things a little bit. And was that before, during, or after when you started to get into music? Well, yeah, I guess it would have been during, but I, because I started before I went. But when I got out there, I pretty much completely stopped for three years. And just the okay. guitars. I mean, I'm sure I picked them up and played them a little bit, but I can't hardly remember it. So that was really kind of a, a deployment toy. That wasn't necessarily for back home. 
Yeah, and, and I just I was able to. Fo- it was all. It was so weird because it was like, wow, I'm almost like a almost like have a normal life. I have a day job, and then I come home. So we started getting it. We got a little piece of property, and we started. We got some chickens and and some goats, and you know, started doing this and that and, uh, stuff. You know, trying stuff out. Um, so I, music just didn't fit in there for me. I, I didn't yeah. feel like I wanted it then. I was happy with what we were doing. How important was music even just listening to it? Were you somebody that needed to unwind and listen to music or was it something where it's nice to have, not a need to have? No, I, I mean, I'm sure I can survive without it, but I, I feel like I need it. Uh, yeah, a lot of the songs, the cover songs that I do on, on a weekly basis are based on songs that it didn't matter where I was at, what I was doing or how I felt. If I needed to pick me up, I'd turn to this song. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of people do that. Yeah, sure. You know, so those are the songs that aren't mine that I really enjoy playing because they, they mean something. To me. When you do cover when, well, let's start with maybe what your influences were before we get into your, your actual playing. Who, who were you listening to besides George Strait? Who was, what, what was your mood music? Any nineties country, Garth Brooks, Alan Jackson, uh, Travis Tritt, all those guys. I still like older country too. Waylon, Willie, the boys, all those guys. Um, and then I'm I rock and roll. You know, I play, a, I just started playing a Chris Cornell song at my shows the other day. I love Audio Slave. You know, I, yeah. I don't know how it translates with my redneck voice, but um, yeah, just all those guys mainly. And 90s country was huge for me on influence. And then Southern Rock, I love Southern Rock as well. So when did you start playing guitar on any sort of regular basis? Consistently. Yeah. I would say January of uh, 2020. Holy crap. Wow. When I put my first song out, I wrote a song. It's on the album called Even More. That's the first song I'd written ever. And uh, I started playing around to try to figure that out. It was uh, my wife had been asking me to write her song for literally 15 years and I've never done one. So I was like, this better be a song for my wife. But it turned out to be a really cool experience because I got to take it down to Nashville with her. She got to be with me as we did it up in the studio. And it was just, it was an awesome, awesome thing. So talk, let's talk. I and mean, I got a bunch of questions that come from that. So why had she been on you for, for 15 years? Was it just the second you got a guitar? She's like, Hey, if you're going to play that thing, you better write me a song or where, where did that come from? Yeah. I mean, she, she loves how I sing. She loves listening to me and she's, and it was like, uh, looking back now, I'm like, wow, I'm really stupid. Why, why didn't I at least try this? But I, I, I don't really know what to say. I just didn't. I didn't take it serious. So she knew your voice. She knew you had a singing voice before you yeah. did, probably, right? It sounds like. Yeah, I had, and I still do have some confidence issues with it. Um, but she she has no doubt. She's like, yeah. I love listening to you sing. I just love it. Me, I criticize the. The, the, the snot out of it sure um, but i think that's natural we all criticize are tough on ourselves um but yeah she she knew i mean if you asked her she'd be like yeah the big dummy i've been telling him forever yeah yeah but i honestly didn't think that i was at a level good enough to that people would sit there and, and pay money to watch so when you when she asked you to write a song was it completely was it was it just she finally knocked over the coke machine and she'd asked you so many times that finally you just had to do it or was there an inciting incident? Was there a reason why at that point in January, 2020, you were like, I, I've got the time, the bandwidth, whatever, to actually go ahead and do this? I tell you, it, it wasn't even her. That's just something she'd been after me for years. It, it was, I, was having a, I was having a poor day. I, I, was, 
I'd lost pretty much all responsibilities at work because I started the retirement process and my job was great about it. They afforded me the time that I needed, but what I wasn't prepared for was what am I going to do at that time? And then I'm just, I'm having a lot of separation anxiety, I guess I would call it. And just in a very uncomfortable spot in my life. And, uh, I had a long night, stayed up, drank way too much and was doing, you know, just being stupid. And I got up the next day, I was home alone and I turned on YouTube and I was just, I was literally talking to myself out loud. I was like, what are you going to do with yourself? Like what, this is, is this it? You did all that stuff. And now you just, what, what? And I clicked on a, a YouTube video of Cody Johnson playing a song called red dirt road cover of Brooks and Dunn's. And I don't know what in the world happened, but I saw that and I was like, I can do that. So I went and got the guitar and I learned it. And that's literally what happened. And then a couple of days later I sat down and I'm like, well, I'm going to try to write a song. And that's the song that came out. What, how did you find actually writing basically poetry? I mean, songs are essentially poetry, right? I mean, how'd you find yeah. that writing it? Was it, was it fun? Was it exhilarating? Was it therapeutic? Was it scary? What was it? There, was it's it therapeutic, therapeutic okay. to me. It's not boring. I, I enjoy um, first finding a melody on a guitar, you know, I'm like, Whoa, I can put something of like that. And, and to me, the melody sits the mood. So that dictates kind of what kind of song you're going to sit down and write, you know? Was that the case with that one? Did you have a, did you have the chord picked out, but you'd already found that? Uh, to be honest with you, I don't remember. I, I, I think I was just, no, that was more of a lyric phase Cause I literally didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. And I was, and I just had a lot of things that I wanted to say to her and just figuring out how to put that on the paper. And then, you know, it's a real slow song. If you've heard it, you know, yeah. it's, it's not like yeah. a hard song to play. It's just, yeah. How did you end up going to Nashville to record that then? What's the flash to bang with that? Um, just research, really. Started doing okay. research. And okay. I mean, in Nashville, I mean, obviously, they have so many options, almost too many. It can, yeah. it can be hard. Yeah. Um, but just did some research on for that first one. I went down there and, uh, you know, you do some uh, pre-production and stuff over Zoom uh, with my producer at the time. And that's kind of how that went, you know. Okay. How, how was the Green Beret card working for you, not working for you, completely irrelevant when you start to transition now? Were you able to leverage it at all to kind of open some doors? It is. It's literally the, it is, it is all my leverage pretty much Yeah. to this point. And <clears throat> it was something I was very uncomfortable with even saying, yeah. you know, that was a hard obstacle for me to overcome just to put it on a website. Um, but now like, 90% of the things, the opportunities, the people I've met, the places I get to go play is, has something to do with a former Green Beret or somebody that knows a former Green Beret and that whole network. That has just really gotten me a lot of, uh, well, I guess, exposure that I otherwise would not have. So I want to ask a lot more about that and about that clash of cultures or the not clash of cultures, as the case may be. But I also want to just kind of drill into the the actual EP itself and what that process was like for you. After you wrote the first song, did you go, oh, hell yeah, I got to start writing a bunch more? Or did you kind of keep your ammo dry, get up all the songs and then go to Nashville and do them all? No, I, I pretty much one by one them. Because really? at the time, wow. I didn't know. I was like, I'm, I, was, I wasn't even thinking about an album. But we just had a really great experience with that, the first song. Which is the title track now. Uh, it was the, next, the second song I wrote. Um, and 
went down and took that and i was like man that was really cool I, I, it's more of a it's more of a me type song like loud kind of in your face yeah i call it country music but i don't really know as if i sing country music when you listen to it um i think it's just because that's what i'm thinking of when i'm doing it um, but you sing, yeah, you sing anthems. You got you got an anthem voice. There's a couple of songs that are like anthems. Like you can see a crowd, you can visualize a crowd just chanting with you to the, some of those. I think that's yeah. what you sing. Yeah, I think yeah, I think you're, you're right. And you know, it's just, it's just what comes out. But when we got to about the third one, that's when I decided, like, you know what? Let's do a let's do an EP. Let's just because you can. I mean, some people put those out three songs, you know. But yeah. I was like, we landed on six. Um, and then, yeah. And I was just like, let's, let's see what happens. And it has been a, you know, it's not like dynamite. It's not crushing playlists or anything like that, but just having it out there, it legitimizes you to a lot yeah. of folks, Yeah, you know, cause you've got something, you're working towards something. It's a big difference between being a guy that does covers only and a guy that has his own original music. And especially if yeah. God forbid, some of those are properly dynamite songs and you have a couple on there. Um, obviously I got to ask you about bad decisions. Um, I won't ask you what specifically triggered that. Cause I think we all, we all can relate to that on a level. We probably don't need to articulate, but how was it writing it? Did it, was it, did you feel like you had uh, shed a layer of skin in writing it? Did you feel like, Oh yeah, this is catharsis. I'm getting something off my chest. What, what was the process like for you? Uh, <laughs> Funny enough, out of all the songs on that album, that's the last one that I wrote, but it wasn't just me. My wife wrote that with me. All those other songs have a deep meaning to me. Bad decisions, believe it or not. I mean, some of those lyrics in there I got, I pulled from stuff that I'd done, but it's not what started the process of that song. Huh. I was sitting in the bonus room, my wife and I, late at night, and I found that little melody. And I was just like, I said, bad decisions. And she immediately, like Clockwork said, are clouding my vision. And I was like, soul and you know a couple days later that song was made but yeah, so some of the lyrics yeah certainly covers stuff i'm not proud of in my life but it wasn't i wasn't sitting down trying to write a song like that i felt i'd put a pretty good with the very first song even more um I, that to me it's almost hard for me to listen to it sometimes because it's mm. you know i'm like yeah man, that was me then and, and i'm sorry for the things that i did but it feels good also to get it off your chest share it with the world hopefully and maybe you can help prevent somebody else from making the same stupid mistakes you know? so tell me just about how you felt going into the studio and recording did you feel did you feel like you were home did you feel like holy shit this is gonna be an adventure i hope this works out okay like what were, what were you how were you emotionally just going into a studio and actually recording for the first time the first time I was very scared very nervous shaky voice because I had no idea what the process was. Yeah. But by the time we got done with that, that first track, um, I love it. I, I love it. I can't wait to go back. I've been, this is the longest pause since I've started that I've done currently right now without recording anything new. I just, I, I really, it's, it's great. I mean, you get the, the caliber musician that you're working with, the production team, the technology, the equipment, you know what I mean? Yeah. You want to talk about some good microphones crying yeah. out loud. Yeah. You know, sure. and so it's, it's really cool. Did you, um, did you read the room? Like, did you get a sense that, oh shit, I think these guys, like these people that have seen a lot of people come and go through those studios actually like it a little bit and maybe I'm okay. And maybe I'm halfway decent. Yes. And that was a huge thing for me that got me to the point where I'm like, okay, maybe I'm going to try this because now you're, you're in, 
you're in the big you're in the big ring when you go to Nashville. You know, you better bring your A game when you're down there. And yeah, people that I mean have worked with famous folks when they start giving you compliments. I mean, it, it's like okay, I think we're uh, maybe we're on to something. Yeah. What did you get? What kind of compliments did they tell you? Uh, just hey man, that's a really great song. Did you write that yourself? Are you trying to? Are you trying to? get that out in the Nashville or are you putting it on your own album stuff like that you know and time is money down there to those folks because they're they're going um whereas you know when I did my first song there was it was like it was very just cut and dry you mm, know you could tell yeah. like okay just next next yeah. type, and it, it has yeah. drastically changed uh, ever since and and now I've even met other people at different studios and got some other opportunities um so yeah Got you. So how long was it after you recorded before you played live or had you already played live a little bit before you ever went in the studio? No, I think we recorded in like January of 20 and I didn't I think I did one thing with a group of guys, maybe three or four months later. And it was really bad. I mean, it was terrible. It, it was all on me. You know what I mean? Cause I had no idea what I was doing. And then I started, I played my first solo show, I think last June wow. and it was pretty bad as well. Um, but they've, they've, they've started getting, I mean, I got, I got, I got some, got some experience a little bit now and it, you know, it just keeps getting better. Tell me about that first show in June. What, what was, uh, how were you feeling before you went on? Like, who was it? What size crowd are you looking at? Where are you playing? Nervous and very small. I mean, I'm at a little, just a little restaurant, basically bar and grill. There might have been 40 people there, maybe. Yeah. Half of those, I knew them. They actually came just to support me, you know, family and friends, which is awesome. But it, it makes you more nervous yeah. initially. Yeah. You're yeah. like, well, if I don't know these people, I probably never have to see them again in my life. But <laughs> I'm gonna, they're, they're going to be talking about this, you know, good, bad, or ugly. Um, so I was definitely nervous. But it's just, boy, you start. I still get a little bit nervous before shows now, but nothing. Once I get through that first song, usually and after. If I'm getting some feedback from the crowd, well, I just start having a good time. Yeah. What was, um, how did you feel at the end of that first show? I mean, clearly you weren't beaten down enough that you never did it again, but I mean, were you feeling like, uh, you did as well as you could have at that point, or did you feel like, boy, I really fucking screwed the pooch on that one. (laughs) It was, it wasn't a big loss. I mean, I felt good. People were happy about it, but I could just see, you know, specifically i draw back on my military career and the, the, the level of things that we were expected to be able to do things at. yeah that's how i expect myself to be able to yeah. do music yeah. and i was not there I'm, I'm still not there now but so much closer than i was um so i had just had a lot of that and i try to uh, take that energy and put it to, to good use and just practice 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 you know keep working it what was the um what was the response and what's the response been from the military community, especially those that knew you, um, what's their response been to seeing you now becoming something of a public figure? Uh, virtually good. Um, the guys that I talk to, I mean, I got I got several buddies that if I'm playing in the area they live in, they'll come and they'll come and watch and their family. So that's all been great. You know, I'm sure there's guys that I haven't seen, and it's probably not a good thing. You know, but that's probably why I haven't seen them. You know, I can just imagine try to put myself on and on, 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 on the other side of the fence. It's, it's a, we talked about it a little bit earlier, but being a, a Green Beret, you're taught to blend in always. And now I'm not, not doing that. So I'm sure there's some folks out there, I would imagine, that are just totally disagree with it. 
and uh, I'm fine with that. You know, everybody's got their own opinions, but but for everything I've heard has been wonderful, very supportive. How do you feel now? Um, just getting out in front of people. Um, do you feel? Do you ever get the willies that like? You know, um, you know, you're you're public and you're and you're not the quiet professional. Now you're a loud professional. You know, and it's like <laughs> yeah. you know, so so. I mean, is there ever, are, have you gotten over that? Is that even an issue anymore or is there? It's still not, a it's not bit? really an issue now. It, it okay. took a while. It, it honestly did take a while, but now, you know, there's certain things I won't do, but I will absolutely tell you, yeah, I was a Green Beret. I'm proud of it. Um, I loved it. It was my privilege to, to serve our country for that, that time and work with the most amazing people that I've ever met in my life. Um, so, so I'm very proud and privileged or, and, and feel blessed to be able to do that. And I have no problem telling somebody that now. Because so many people have given me positive feedback. Yeah. I, I don't want, I'm not looking for people to thank me or any of that. I'm just, I'm telling you my story is all. That's how I look at it. How's your interaction been with the music community? So when you're gigging and if you run to another band or you've got people coming on before or after you, or, you know, you're just mixed, meeting and, uh, you know, networking with other musicians. How does that feel? I mean, this is now your community. Um, I mean, do you, do you have a lot of interactions with them? Does it feel weird? Is it still like, are you still in group mindset and there's a bunch of civilians running around or where are you at? It's, uh, it's, it's been interesting. It it was very rough initially because I mean, it's a whole different group of folks, you know, and good in their own rights, but just total, the total unknown zone for me. And, uh, so I started out with a, with a band that we kind of put together. Some guys embraced me. They saw me sing the very first time when I went up and saw and sang a song at an open mic. And uh, we ended up coming up with a band that we worked. Uh, we worked it a few months. And uh, I won't lie, I had trouble managing personalities and um, just getting into their minds because it's a total different mindset. You know, yeah. and it's at nobody's fault. It was if anybody if it was anybody's fault, it was mine for not understanding how to do it. And I was supposed to be in charge of it. You know what I mean? So I decided to cut ties with that for now. I'm not saying I'll never have a band again, but it's just, this seems like a better fit for me, what I'm doing now. And, uh, but like, like I told you right before we started, I'm literally sitting outside Memphis, Tennessee at a musician's house, a young lady that I haven't, I haven't even talked to her. I don't even met her. And I'm in her yard right now because we're going to play together at a show tonight. And she so kindly asked me to, told me that I could come down here and do this. Um, but it's been pretty good. I mean, it's cool. I, I, Sometimes I, the other a couple of weeks ago, um, the lead guitarist for Chase Matthew, right? Mm-hmm. I can't remember the fella's name, and I, I hope he doesn't watch this. I'm sorry, brother, if you're watching this. He just shows up on a break and is like, "Hey, this is me. This is what I do." And I had an extra guitar up there. I was like, "Let's rip it!" And he played the whole rest of the show with me. You know, just some cool stuff. That's freaking awesome. How's it been with um, with I guess just the interaction with um on other people's uh you know other musicians response to you does the green beret thing throw them do they do they act differently do you see them kind of go oh shit i don't know I like i'd really like to just smoke up right now but i'm not gonna do it around you and so like yeah i mean like <laughs> do, do, you, do you do you see yourself harsh in their buzz a little bit um i think, so. I think sometimes yeah. yeah i think it'd be a fair assessment not always but you're definitely i feel like i'm viewed as the outsider for sure and not in a negative way. I think it's just, it's nature, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm this brand new guy to this. And these guys have been doing this their whole life. And we have two completely different backgrounds. So yeah, there's going to be a little weirdness. With that. 
And now that you're gigging all the time and you've got these shows, you know, every weekend and multiple shows and all that, what do you see as your, uh, what's your near-term goals with this? I mean, do you see this growing? Do you see yourself being able to now go throughout, you know, not just Kentucky, but outside that around the country and starting to put together more things and, and really growing? Or are you comfortable just finding your rhythm where you're at? No, I'm absolutely not comfortable doing I don't, I don't want to stagnate doing this, you know, uh, at this age, at this stage of my life, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love going and playing the hockey talks, but it's not my 10 years ago. That would have been cool every weekend. Now it's, it's got an expiration date on it for me. I, I don't have that exact time frame. As long as I st- still keep seeing, uh, we still keep climbing. I'm going to stay on it. I will. Um, but, but there is a, the end result is, uh, I told you my number one goal is to help people and I want to be able to get my music and songs out to those people that I can help. And I, and I would love to travel the country with my, with my wife and, uh, and do that, you know, if that's in the cards for me, if it's not, I can absolutely accept that and sleep well at night knowing, Hey, I tried this. I, at least I tried, it, you know, and I give it, I give it my fair, my best shot that I could. Yeah. I think, I mean, look, I, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not sitting here with a crystal ball, but I, I think you're going to find, a lot of people really warming up to you very quickly. I, and I'm, I'm just going to embarrass you for a little bit, but by, by just giving some <laughs> of my impressions of, of what I, I think of your music. Um, Cause maybe I'll, I'll do that by way of actually talking about how I found you. Um, Cause I think I was, God, was I talking to Brad Thomas with silence and light and we were looking at some of his shows and I saw your name on there. And I was like, Oh, who's this guy? Um, and uh, I think it was something you did for green beret foundation. If I remember right. And, yeah, uh, and the veterans day. Yeah. And I was like, all right, let me look this guy up. And I was like, holy crap. Like it's that voice that you know, I was just like, Jesus, this dude, like, and, and I, I was expecting a super, super produced, really polished thing. And then I saw, holy shit, he's just stripped down. It's his voice. Your voice is just produced. It's just natural. It's just, you come out of the box, like show ready. And that's an incredible thing. There's not a lot of people that have that. I mean, that's like Beyonce shit. You know, that's like, <laughs> like there, there's there, like, I mean, there's certain people that just have show ready voices and, and other people that it's like, well, you know, it might be a marriage of their voice with, you know, but they need a band behind them or they need, you know, some degree of production. But as I said, like, I've never heard anybody blow the lid off a freaking garage the way you did sitting in there strumming. And I, I'm, Good to just tell you flat out. I've listened, I've watched that video more times than I've ever watched anybody in a garage playing before. But I was like, Jesus Christ, like you need no production value to uh to blow the roof off a place. And that's a hell of a thing. Um, and especially for what you're the kind of music you write, I think a lot of people are gonna warm up to that really, really quickly. And um I I just my two cents. I feel like um I feel like there's a lot of potential with what you're doing. And yeah, I mean, as I say, I'm just filibustering just to embarrass you for a second, but, but I, but really deserved, I mean, it's, it's an incredible talent and um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited uh, for you to come up here and play the festival because I think, um, I think people up here, oh dude, they're, um, I, I'm so excited for this. Yeah. And and it's going to be, it'll be cool. And I I think it'll be cool for the local station to hear you. And I think it's gonna be really cool for iHeart to hear you. Um, I, I think those are all people that should hear you and see you in the right light. So I'm, I'm excited for that for damn sure. Um, 
where can you improve? If you had to QAQC yourself right now, what's your, where are you like, dude, I, I need to work on this. Or when I get a moment, this is what I want to sharpen up. Where do you feel? Uh, it's definitely guitar for me. Okay. I, I spent a very still a large portion of my time just trying to get it. And when you're doing mostly 90% solo stuff, like I am, I mean, I have to get that, you know, it has to be there. Um, so yeah, I just continue to work it. Um, I don't, I'm never going to be a Chet Atkins and I'm not trying to do that. I just want to be, you know, minimize the mistakes. You just got to minimize the mistakes. It's so much easier in, in a band environment. Like yeah. we're going to be up at the, there. You know what I mean? I got the boys behind me. And right. That's right. their sole focus. So I can focus more on the lyrics and just do whatever I'm going to do on the guitar. But when you're doing, going out and doing solo things, you really got to be on it. Yeah. Do you, do you see yourself writing well, or even right now, do you write music or is it really like, Hey, I've just put this together on based on a couple of chords. And when I bring in a band, I'm just having them flesh out what I've already developed. Or do you see yourself writing music and composing properly? No, it's, it's mainly a melody line with some rhythm on it. And, okay. and that's, I, I get it. I know what key I want it in. I know the tempo I want it. Um, but yeah, as far as like guitar licks and stuff like that, no, I, I listen to great guitar players see what they can do i like this i don't like that let's try that you know what i mean yeah and that's kind of how my stuff goes and i don't really see that changing if you draw up a band for yourself in theory just uh, just a fantasy band like hey you can have anybody in the world uh come in and, and just pick them and, and draft them and put them in your band <laughs> who do you start who do you start with do you start with would, would you really want a great because it seems to me like for the music you play I think your voice is the star and you want probably a really strong rhythm section, but I could be wrong. Do you want something else? What would you want? No, man, I want to, I want a fiddle player so bad. Oh and, yeah. And, and, yeah. And, and I know, and I know, a, I know a great one. I mean, I'm not going to name drop him out here, but he, he's won a lot of major awards and uh, got to do a little bit of stuff with him. But if I had a guy or a lady or just a talented musician on the, on the strings, it's so beautiful. And it, yeah, so much of my stuff that I do, especially if you're if you're wanting that mood of, of sadness and, and raw emotion, boy, it just doesn't get any better than than the, the violin or fiddle. Yeah, um, but, I, but yeah, I, I'm. You hear my music, I'll bring it down and play some slower stuff. But ninety percent of the time, I like to be loud and yeah. out there. So yeah, I love some. I love a, a guy that can just rip an electric guitar and smacking on those drums back there. You know what I mean? I, I dig that stuff. I dig some rock in that country. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I got it. What, um, what's your itch right now? Is your itch to get in front of more live audiences or is it to get back in the studio and you've got some songs that you're trying to birth? More live audiences right now, because I'm, I have, I have other stuff, but I'm, I'm, I, I'm hoping that that EP is good enough to where I don't want to, I don't want to put something else out there that totally covers it up and never gives it a chance until yeah. I get the platform that I feel like I want that to be on first. Have you been so writing? Have you, have you yeah. just, is there stuff in your back pocket from when the time's right? Yeah, there is. There is. And uh, I'm going to play two or maybe three unreleased, unheard songs uh, at, at Savage Wonder Fest. Bitching. Uh, okay. Very cool. Oh, right on. Okay. We'll look forward to that. Dude, uh, I know you got a show tonight, so I don't want to hold you up. Um, I appreciate you not going on vocal rest for me. <laughs> <laughs> for him for yeah. the show uh keep the pipes uh rested a little bit but um dude this is just such a pleasure and i um at some point um i can think of a million reasons that we'd want to have you back on and, and talk more about stuff you have coming up new releases and all that but i'm glad at least we're giving people 
a little bit of a taste of your backstory going into the festival because I think people it's just going to make them appreciate what the guy that they're going to see on stage so much more. Um, and I know I was looking forward to it because I, I say I've been listening to that album for several months now, nonstop. It's just a great piece of work. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm, I'm, we can't wait to get out there. We're going to have, I've been working with the boys that I put together and you guys have been so accommodating. We're not going to disappoint you. These, these, these fellows are players. We're going to, we're going to bring, we're going to bring some noise. Oh, I freaking love it. I freaking love it, man. All right, Derek, you rock brother. Uh, it's been a real pleasure. Let's do this again sooner than later. Absolutely, brother. Thank you so much. That was the savage wonder of Derek Stoner. Yes, it was short. I know. Um, let me know if you guys like that. Let me know if you guys like me kind of bottling up and packaging it uh, in, a, in a much tighter format. Um, I do like to let things go on for a long period of time. I do like to talk and pry and probe and what have you. But um, but we, we packed a lot into a, a very short, uh, relatively short for us episode with Derek Stoner. Um, obviously, a lot of paths we could have gone down with him. But we'll have him back on. Well, I'm back on and uh, talk more about it down the road. You've been listening to Savage Wonder, the podcast for warriors and artists and a production of the Veterans Repertory Theater. As always, you can check out what's going on with us at vetrep.org. That's V-E-T-R-E-P dot org, vetrep.org. So many things happening with us. Obviously, I talked to you in the intro about the Savage Wonder Festival. Derek and I talked a whole bunch about the Savage Wonder Festival during the interview and again, I'm going to tell you Savage Wonder Festival. Guys, it is, I, I can't even tell you how much this thing is getting traction. Um, and I'm not trying to be a promoter and oversell it. Um, I'm mostly just exhausted trying to keep up with it. Um, Lilla, who you guys know, our managing director who's been on this show, um, you know, is this close to throwing office supplies at me because uh, for getting her into this, uh, she is a little, little, Inside baseball stuff for those of you that have stuck around this long to listen to all the gory details of this episode. Um, Lilla is actually moving her house the day before the festival. Um, and we didn't know when she was going to close on the house and when they were, when she and her family were going to move. And it's going to be the day before the festival. And, um, you know, that is so this is really a coinciding of a whole bunch of major life events all occurring. Um, on or about May 29th, but when the festival happens on May 29th, it will be incredible. Um, and then we will all go to sleep for about 30 days <laughs> and try to recover. Anyway, it's, uh, it's going to be a blast. Uh, again, it's going to be close to 40 different veteran artists. Um, again, it's not a veteran talent show. These are world-class professional artists that happen to be veterans. Um, we have talked about it internally and now externally about it being kind of a Lollapalooza for veterans in the arts and something we see being able to repeat every year and grow year in, year out um, into being a, a cultural landmark. Um, so very excited about that. I can't believe it is less than a month away. And it, yeah, that's going to be really wild. Wow. All right. I got a lot of work to do, so let me wrap up this outro instead of blabbering on and on and on. Vetrep.org, for everything you want to know about what we're doing at Vetrep. But, of course, if you want to know specifically about the Savage Wonder Festival, you can get to the source of all that information at Vetrep.org. But you can also just go right to SavageWonder.com. 
Very easy. Savagewonder, all one word.com. Savagewonder.com tells you everything you want to know about the festival. You can buy tickets there. Um, read up about all the performers, get a schedule of the events, um, you know, get the whole kit and caboodle. So savagewonder.com for the Savage Wonder Festival, vetrep.org for everything else we're doing. And that includes our literary blog, this podcast, um, the Right Loud events on Instagram Live. What else am I forgetting? Oh, God, our live shows every weekend. If you were in the greater New York area, come on over and see us. Northern New Jersey, Connecticut. Come on over and see us every Saturday night at our parlor, which is a ridiculous idea, 16 seats in a room that looks like Sherlock Holmes Library, and we put on comedies, and it's phenomenal actors that we cast out of the city, Um, and we bring them up here mostly so we can get to know the actors, get to build out our repertory company, but also so we can give pay-what-you-can tickets to people in Orange County, New York, who appreciate live theater. So if you're anywhere close to Orange County, New York, come on over. See us. Every show is sold out because it's only 16 seats, but it's a blast. It's an intimate, fun, laugh-your-ass-off kind of evening and uh, give you some drinks, some desserts. It's a blast. Really good time. So we have all that going on, and that's pretty much all I have to say about that. But anyway, come on over. Check that out. Check out the literary blog, the podcast, and uh, write loud all those different events that we have going on. Check them all out at vetrep.org, V-E-T-R-E-P.org, vetrep.org. If you're listening to this show on iTunes, as always, please give us a five-star review. Um, You can say whatever you want to us. I really don't care. I'm happy to read the comments and I will internalize them uh, as I need to. But if you could just attach five stars to that review, that would be dynamite. We'd appreciate that. You can always follow us on social, Veterans Repertory Theater on Facebook. That's Veterans, R-E-P-E-R-T-O-R-Y, Theater, spelled E-R, not R-E, Veterans Repertory Theater on Facebook. Or if you're on Twitter or on Instagram, Vet Rep Theater, V-E-T-R-E-P Theater, Vet Rep Theater on Instagram and Twitter. If you want to submit your work to Veterans Repertory Theater or to our literary blog, go to VetRep.org, go to our submissions tab. You will learn everything you need to know about how to submit to us, what to submit to us, why to submit to us, and we'd love to see it if it applies and if you qualify. Okay, I think I've done all the shameless plugging I can do. As always, thanks to our producer, Mike Neal. I'm Christopher Paul Meyer on behalf of the Veterans Repertory Theater. See you next time when we'll dive further into the savage wonder of it all. <laughs>